July, the first year I was here, and uh, it hailed the night before. We set up everything, and then we had a massive hailstorm. Everybody remember that? Uh, had a massive hailstorm, and we got up here the next day, and there's ice in the, in the swimming pool. But uh, we made it through. We got everybody baptized. They were, people were coming out of that water like they had gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and they were, I mean, it was, I, I wanted to get out of that water quick, but uh, it was a great time. Um, and so don't, uh, don't forget this Sunday, somebody asked me, Pastor, why do we announce Mother's Day so many times? Because the guys aren't listening. It takes a lot of time to get the guys to remember Mother's Day, Mother's Day. And uh, this is a little bit unusual, uh, a lot unusual for me. This is my first Mother's Day with my mom with the Lord. And, um, and so uh, it's a little bit different. I'm always been, I've always thought and planned about what I was going to get my mom for Mother's Day and write her a poem and different things like that. And so uh, it's her first Mother's Day in heaven. And she gets to be, this is her first Mother's Day with my, with my brother Dace. My mom lost that baby. He died at a month and a half old. Mom never got to hold him. And uh, she's, been, she's been with the Lord now since February. And she's probably now started looking around heaven. She's, she's been taken up with Jesus for a while. But now she's looking around and she probably found my brother. And so uh, he'll have a great mom's day with her today, uh, this Sunday. Uh, look in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. And so one of the things I'm looking forward to uh, uh, in the next in the upcoming weeks, we're going to be able to have handouts and those kind of things again once I have a secretary uh, that can help me with all of that. And so, uh, Lord willing, here shortly, we'll have that and we'll be able to have some handouts because we're going to go through some scripture tonight. We're going to go through a lot of scripture tonight uh, that I think will will help us. In this, in this arena of mind control. We're talking about our minds. The great battle today is the battle for the mind. Uh, there is a huge war. By the way, it's always been that way. Satan has, Satan has done his warfare in the mind of man. And if he can get you to think wrongly about, about God, he can get you to think wrongly about everything else. And uh, there's four lies that the devil told in the Garden of Eden. We're not going to go through all those tonight, but we're going to get to that. But he told four major lies. Those four lies destroyed the world. His first lie, his very first lie, was God cannot be trusted. That was his first lie. God cannot be trusted. Yea, hath God said... God did not, thou shalt not surely die. You, you can't trust God's word. And that's been the devil's MO ever since. He has put a question mark on God's word. And so the battle is in our mind. Remember, we, we, we'll, we'll end up again for just a minute there tonight in 2 Corinthians 10 when Paul was talking about the strongholds that the devil, we're, we're, we are to pull down the strongholds. And we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, in, in, in the terms of having our minds right. Let's look back at our passage scripture in Philippians chapter 4. We've been going through this on how to have mind control. We want, we want Christ to control our mind. We don't want anything else to control our mind. The, the news media, <laughs> right? They're called news programs for a reason. It's a lot of programming going on. Uh, 
But, but the news media, Hollywood, the culture, all of these different things are after the way. They're trying to shape the way we think. And Paul, when he wrote the book of Philippians, Paul, Paul really gave, in every chapter, he gave a different mind. You need to have a spiritual mind. For to me to live is Christ. That's chapter 1. You need to have a submissive mind. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he humbled himself, made himself of no reputation, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, a submissive mind, a spiritual mind, a submissive mind. And then in, in chapter 3, uh, we see, we see that, uh, that strong mind that Paul gave us. And then in chapter 4, we see the secure mind. It's a mind that is guarded by the peace of God. How many of you would like, to do, how many people know somebody that needs the peace of God in their life? All right. Uh, we, we are to have the peace of God. Look at this very carefully. Uh, in chapter 4, Paul said in verse number 6, be careful for nothing, which means be anxious or worried uh, for nothing. So let me ask you this question. How much are we supposed to be worried about? Nothing. Well, what about the economy? Should we worry about that? Well, what, 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 what good is worry going to do you if you worry about it? Uh, that's where Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, take no thought for tomorrow. Now, he didn't say that we shouldn't have a plan. He didn't say that we shouldn't, we shouldn't have a budget and a strategize with our life. He wasn't saying that. He was just saying, don't be worried. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. There's enough trouble to, to, to take care of today. Worry about tomorrow just pulls the clouds of tomorrow to cloud the sunshine of today. So don't, so don't worry about anything. And he said, don't, don't take thought for the morrow. Don't take thought. He said, listen, the unsafe people worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, what, how they're going to live. He said, look at the, look at the, the fowls of the air. They're, he said, are they eating? I mean, get up in the morning and hear all the birds singing. Did they eat today? Who fed all of them? Now, my wife fed a lot of them, I'll tell you that. My wife fed a bunch of them. But we have a little bait. We have a bird right now that's building a nest right on the wreath of our front door. And, uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm a little upset about it. It's just getting mud and straw and everything everywhere. And my wife is pumped about it. She's like, we're going to be grandparents. I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> I said, if you're going to chew up worms and spit them in the nest, then that's another, that's another story. But I'm not doing that. But anyway, I get up every morning. I hear those birds sing. I think, who fed all of these birds today? You know how much, you know, people talk about, you know, eating like a bird. Birds eat a ton. And God fed them today. I remember years ago, man. I came out of church on a Sunday afternoon, and one of my favorite routines was to go to Popeye's Chicken. I'm a Baptist preacher, and we lived in the South, and Popeye's Chicken is, listen, you got to get some Popeye's Chicken. Extra crispy, get the spicy, mm, and get the biscuits. Man, there's nothing like a Popeye's biscuit with honey on it. Somebody say amen right now. But I was, coming out of, I was coming out of Popeye's Chicken, and I was carrying all these boxes of stuff, and I had, I had my, and I love their biscuits. I mean, that's my favorite thing. It's the dessert. I eat red beans and rice, the mashed potatoes, the fried chicken, sweet tea, all that, man, it goes down the hatch. And then I followed up with that, with that biscuit with honey on it. And not the honey Popeye's give you, because that's not honey. That's just, like, that's just like brown sugar, but some real honey. 
and I, I would follow up with that. So the biscuits are really important to me. And I was coming out of, I was coming out of Popeyes. I had all the stuff in my hand, trying to get home, and uh, uh, somebody was coming in the door. And I'm trying to hold the door for them and hold on my stuff. And man, a tragedy struck. I dropped a biscuit, and I'm thinking, how am I gonna, how am I gonna grab that? With my hands full. So I was going to go down and just get it with my teeth. But about that time, I heard somebody say, hey, pastor, I better not do that. But I finally got to my car. I'm just kind of fussing. Like, man, I can't believe I dropped that biscuit. Oh, well, I guess Michelle doesn't get a biscuit today. (laughs) And as I got in the car, I look back. And, man, there's little Sparrow. He hops over there. He grabs all that biscuit, pulls it over around the corner. That, that, that sparrow, he was going to town. By the time I drove away, he was a crow flying away, that biscuit. <laughs> but but I, thought, I thought to myself, you know, the Lord just said, you're complaining about losing that biscuit, but I, I had a bird to feed today. And God knows how to take care of it. He said, be worried for nothing, for nothing. Look at this. Look at verse 6. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God. Now, here's, here's the formula and then the promise. Here's the recipe and the outcome. You do this in verse 6, and the peace of God will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, what sort of things are true? Remember, we went through all of these last week. What sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? What sort of things are just? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are of good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So here's what Paul's saying right here. here here's what the Lord's saying through the Apostle Paul. He said, if you're going to have your mind, if you're going to have a secure mind in an insecure world, if you're going to have a mind that's filled with peace in a world that's filled with division and conflict, The world is looking for ways to go to war. They're looking for ways to worry and be afraid. Fear, 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 fear. God said, God said, my people shouldn't walk like that. I want my people to walk in peace. One of the greatest testimonies that we have of our faith in Jesus Christ is when we have peace when the world is in fear. And he said, I want you to do that. If you're going to do that, here's what God told us to do. First of all, you have to pray right. How are you going to have a life that's free of worry? You have to pray right. By prayer, don't worry about it. Pray about it. Turn your worries into worship. And pray. And pray. And pray with thanksgiving. Go to God about it. So many people today are quick to post and slow to pray. Right? Everybody know that what I'm talking about? Social media has become the means to, hey, go fund me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm all for some of that stuff, but, but I think we ought to go pray first. Pray. Pray with thanksgiving. Turn your worry to worship. Pray with thanksgiving. Now watch this. And he says, um, let your request be made known unto God. So if you're going to be worry-free, you're having a secure mind, you have to pray right. And then number two, we looked at last week, Verse number eight, you have to think right. Finally, what sort of things are true? What sort of things are honorable? What sort of things are just? What things are are pure? What sort of things are lovely? Now, remember what I told you last week. You don't get rid of a bad thinking. You don't get rid of bad thinking by not thinking bad thoughts. You get rid of bad thinking by thinking the right thoughts. 
the Bible says, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Remember I told you last week, don't think about an airplane. I don't want you to think about an airplane. Don't think about how they fly. Don't think about, don't think about all the, 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 the wings and how they, uh, how they take off and land. Now, if we try not to think about it, what are we all thinking about? Think about an airplane. So you don't, you don't, if you have trouble with your thought life, if you have trouble with how you think, then you need to be intentional about thinking the right thoughts. Put things in your mind. Think on things that are true. Think on things that are honest or honorable. Think on things that are lovely. Think on things that are of good report. Listen, I'm telling you right now, one of the greatest things I did last year in the middle of all the COVID stuff is I stopped watching the news. I... The last 10 months have been such a wonderful joy in my life. I have not watched Fox. I have not watched CNN. One time, my wife, and, my wife and girls had to come up here to the church for something last summer. Something was going on. The ladies came up here. I think it was ladies retreat or ladies conference or something. And I, I sat down at home and I thought, I'm going to just see um, what, what all the fuss is about on CNN. And I turned on CNN. And I'm going to tell you something. I watched 15 minutes of that. I was freaking out. I thought, we're all going to die. My wife came home. I, had, I, was, I was wrapped up in a tarp. <laughs> stay away. You guys stay outside. Uh, but I'm just telling you, if you live like that, man, it'll, it will absolutely paralyze you in fear. And God said, listen, put all of that aside and think on things that are true. Think on things that are honorable. Think on things that are good report. If there's any virtue in it, if there's any praise in it, then think on that. So you take control of your thought life. It's a secure mind where you are praying right and you're thinking right. You know, so many of us are practical atheists. We believe God up here. And so we know that we're supposed to pray about things, but we pray about it and then we get up and go worry about it. As though God isn't going to take care of it. (laughs) This is where we need to learn to rest in the Lord. Trust Him. Rest in the Lord. Now watch this very carefully. Pray right. Now we're talking about having a mind under control. Pray right. Think right. Now look at verse 9. And don't just pass over this as though Paul is just trying to fill up space on a term paper. Verse number 9. Those things which ye have both... Now remember, he said, be careful for nothing. What sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? Then he said in verse number 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard... And seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Don't don't let that just pass over you for a minute. Paul said, now look, if if you're going to have a mind that's under control, and it's, it's filled with peace, you have to pray right, you have to think right, but listen, you have to do right. Don't pass over this just don't let this slide past you. Paul's talking about the obedience factor. How we think, right? Remember, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Your life will flow towards your thought life. So as you think, now you need to put that thought life, you're, you're praying right, you're giving it to God. 
And you're filling your mind with things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and good report and praise to God. You're filling your mind with the right thoughts, but now you put that into work in your life and you live that out at your home, at your job, when you're by yourself. You begin to do the things that we've been taught to do as Christians. So here's the trouble. We've got all these troubles in life. We take them to God. We turn that worry into worship. Then we get our minds on the things that God has said, and we put those into our life. We begin to implement that. Watch. This, therefore, we don't give the problems of our life the power to control our life. So many of us. Now watch what Paul's doing. Paul is changing the narrative here from somebody who is reactionary to somebody who is acting. Instead of reacting, he's acting. Instead of saying, here's my problem, I'm going to react to that problem. I'm going to react with fear. I'm going to react with worry and stress. And then what does that do? That fills my mind with worry and stress. And that comes out into my life as worry and stress. Now my wife is worried and stressed. Now my kids are worried and stressed. I'm angry. They're angry. I hit the kid. The kid goes and kicks the dog. The dog, kicks the, the, the dog bites the cat. The cat eats the mouse. It would have saved a lot of trouble if I'd have just gone and ate the mouse. That would have saved a lot of trouble. All because we're not thinking right. And Paul said, I want you to see this. Your, your thought life is going to control how your life goes. So pray about it. Give it to God. Then fill your mind with the things that you know are true. And good report and praise to God and the right things. Get your mind thinking the right things. And that will implement out into a home now that you're doing what you should be doing. Now you're acting instead of reacting. You're acting the way God wants you to act through the problem instead of reacting to the problem. I'm telling you right now, there are people today who are on medications they don't need to be on. And some people need to be on medication. But there are people who are using medications they, they, they don't have to be on. They're, they're medicating themselves through the bottle. They're medic medicating themselves through the needle, through the pill. They're medic medicating themselves through all kinds of means to try to find an artificial peace because they're not praying right, thinking right, and doing right. Everybody with me on this? Now, don't let this pass over because what Paul's giving us here, Paul said, now here's, here's what I want you to understand. The things that I've told you, the things that you've heard of me, seen in me, learned from me. Now do that, and the peace of God will be with you. Now Paul wasn't just saying empty words. He was giving us an age-old principle of God. Look back in your Bible very quickly to Isaiah 18. We're going to look to, uh, I'm sorry, I said 18, uh, Isaiah 32. We're going to look at two passages in Isaiah, and then we're going to come back to the New Testament. Isaiah 32. And look at verse 17. Now again, this is primarily to Israel, but this is a principle of God. God's, God's principles never change, regardless of the nation. Notice what he says, Isaiah 32, verse 18. Or verse 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. Now what did Paul just tell us in Galatians, don't, don't miss this, in Philippians 4 and verse number 9. He said, the things that you have seen in me, learned of me, heard of me, do. Well, what had Paul been teaching? He'd been teaching how to live righteously. How to live God's way in this crooked world. 
He was telling how to live right in a world that's wrong. How to live for Christ in a world that's under the control of Satan. How to live in the light as the world is in darkness. Paul has been telling them about righteousness. And he said, if you'll do this, the peace of God will be with you. This is an age-old principle from, from Isaiah 32. And the work of righteousness shall be peace. Now watch this. And the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Let me tell you something. When you do what is right, that makes for a very soft pillow. You have no trouble going to sleep when you've done right by God, you've done right by your wife or your husband, you've done right by your children, you've done right by your boss and your co-workers, you've done right by your fellow man. You did the right things. You live for God today. That makes a very, very soft pillow. Quietness and assurance forever. Now that's the effect of righteousness. Just doing right. There are people who talk about all kinds of uh, mental things. I, I hear voices. I have all this inner trouble. And I'm telling you, Behavioral psychologists are catching up with the scripture. There are people who live in constant turmoil inwardly simply because they're not doing what is right. They are either doing things they should not do or they're not doing things they ought to do. And if they had ever just give their troubles to the Lord, pray right, think right, and then just begin to do right, <laughs> it changes everything. Look over at chapter 42, or 48 of Isaiah and verse number 18. Isaiah 48 and verse 18. Watch this. Oh, thou, oh, that thou hast hearkened. This is God speaking to Israel. Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. God said, I wish you would have listened to my commandments and done them. Then had thy peace been as a river. And thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Now I'll tell you something. When I lived, when I lived down uh, in the south, the rivers down south are a little different. Now they're muddier than the rivers up here. But rivers up here, they get pretty swift. A lot of rapids and rocks and you get into one of these rivers. I, now don't get me wrong, I love to get out on the on the Poudre River or the or the the Big Thompson. I love, I love to get out on, on old mountain streams. But when I lived down south, my wife and girls, we would, we would go to a place. Michelle and I would take the girls on a hot summer day. And we'd go to a place called the Okotoma. And we'd go to the Okotoma and we'd get some kayaks or canoes. And we'd get out on that river and uh, we would just float. And he didn't want to swim. It was a little muddy. Uh, but, but you never knew what was in it. I mean, there water moccasins, uh, all kinds of stuff. But we'd get out there, and we would, we would just float down that river, and we had a time. We'd find a sandbar. We'd pull off on a sandbar, and uh, my wife would pull out a picnic lunch, uh, Popeye's chicken and biscuits. <laughs> we'd, have a, we'd have a good, have a good healthy uh, picnic out there on the river. There's just something peaceful about it. Isn't there something peaceful about just sitting by the river? And God said, oh, I wish you'd have just done my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river. 
You know, people think about God. Say, well, you know, God's just such a tyrant. He's got all these rules, all these rules on us. Well, God said, my rules are not, they're not grievous. They're not burdens. I mean, when I, when, I say, when I say, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, what I'm telling you is, I'm not putting you in a shackle. I'm telling you, I'm telling you how you can get love reciprocated back to you. In other words, what God's saying is, I'm telling you husbands how to find some happiness. You love her like Jesus, son, she's got a universal love in her that God already put in her. You ever, it's interesting. It's interesting that God didn't command the wife, wives, love your husbands. But he did command husbands, husbands, love your wives. And he told them, love them. Uh, and if a husband will ever learn that, man, he, that, that wife will give more love than he can imagine. And, and God's saying, here's the thing. When God says, thou shalt, what he's saying is, help yourself to happiness. And when God says, thou shalt not, he's saying, don't get hurt. I remember when Deanna was real little, our oldest daughter. She was real little. And she was, I mean, this girl was just, every parent says their kids are real smart. But, you know, parents are sometimes wrong. But our daughter was really, really smart. And, uh, but she, she, she was always inquisitive. She had a, she had a she, and still to this day, has a curious mind. She wants to know why something, why does it do that? How does that work? That girl drove me crazy. Remember one time she said, Dad, we were driving down the road one time. She was real little. She said, Dad, how do they know how much weight a bridge can hold up? And Deanna wasn't just, Deanna wasn't the kind of kid that I could just say, well, you know, they, they, they test it. She wanted to know, how do they know that? So I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm not an engineer. You know, I'm, I'm dumb as a box of rocks. I said, well, I said, well, I imagine what they do is they build the bridge and then they start driving trucks over it. And they weigh the truck and they drive it over. Weigh the truck, drive it over. And the first one that crushes it, then they say, okay, let's build it back and don't drive anything that heavy over it. You know, they set the limit, right? I guess, oh, okay. So um, what do they do with the trucks that crashed that? I don't know what they do with it. But that girl asked so many questions. She was inquisitive. I remember one time I, I took her, she, she kept, she kept, uh, Deanna kept asking about, she kept playing with the lights, the light socket when she was just real little. She kept playing with that. I said, Deanna, don't you touch that. Now, now some of you might think that, you know, this is not good parenting, but uh, we need more of it. But Deanna would, Deanna would reach out to touch that thing, and I would, no. <sighs> she'd cry. And she'd, she'd go to touch that thing, you know, no. So you do it again, you're going to get a spanking. And, and so this went on for a while. Deanna had a will. Oh, she had a will. And we had to, we had to get that will under control. And uh, there's a big secret about how to break the will without breaking the spirit. And that's an that's a, that's a iffy thing with a parent. You've got to have God's wisdom in that. But anyway, we finally got it where I got Deanna one time. And uh, uh, I walked over to that thing one time. I said, now, Deanna, I want you to watch Daddy. I want to show you something. <laughs> and I probably should have done this. But I walked over to the light socket, and I touched it, right? And then I started, I started going, ah! And I hit the ground. I'm hopping around, ah! And I died like that. Well, let me tell you, when she was in her little walker, she'd see that light socket. She'd go all the way over here. She, she wanted nothing to do with that light socket. Well, and, and by the way, that's not totally impractical because that's what Jesus did. If you want to see what sin will do to you, look at the cross. And that's where he took all of that pain and sorrow and suffering and the wrath of God. And he took all the death 
that was caused by sin to show us this is what sin does. This is why it's so serious. God is saying to us, my commandments are not grievous. My commandments are a blessing to you. I want to tell you, you know, when I got, whenever I get hurt is when I walk out of God's will. That's when I get hurt. And notice what God said in, uh, in, chapter, in chapter 48 of Isaiah, verse 18. Oh, that thou hast hearkened or listened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also, that's your children, also had been in the sand. And the offspring of thy bowels like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. He said, you didn't walk in my way. You could have had peace like a river, but instead your kids were cut off. He said, now you got to go forth, go out of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans with a voice of singing. Declare ye, tell this, utter it even to the ends of the earth. Say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob. Notice that. He said, here's what I want you to do. When you come out of Babylon, I want you to sing as loud as you can so the whole world can hear you. That God delivered his servant. That now you're going to be obedient to me. You've been in captivity because you didn't obey my voice. Look at verse number 21. And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. When he caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them, he claved the rock also when the waters gushed out. There is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. And here's what the Lord's saying. He said, look, if you would have just listened to my commandments, you'd have had peace like a river. Instead, you were taken to Babylon and you were captive there for all these 70 years. And now when you come out of there, I want you singing about how your God delivered you. He's your redeemer and you're his servant. That you're going to be obedient. I want you to remember way back in the very beginning when I brought you out of Egypt, when you obeyed me, I carried you out of Egypt victoriously. I gave you water in the desert. I gave you food in the desert. I blessed you in the desert. You lived in the middle of the wilderness and you had peace. There's no peace to the wicked, God said. No peace to the wicked. So I don't want you to just let this pass over you. When Paul said... This has so much to do with your mental health. This has so much to do with where your mind is. Are you being obedient? Some of us need to sit down today and say, okay, first thing, have I obeyed the gospel? That's where you start with God. The first step of obedience with God is the gospel. What is the gospel? That Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and he did that so that we could be saved. I'm not good enough to be saved. I'm a sinner from the top of my head to the bottom of my foot. I am a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. I deserve to live apart from God forever. God, God, should, God should just annihilate me for my sin. But God chose by grace to save me. And God's response to my sin was Mount Calvary. And my response to Mount Calvary should be faith. And I need to obey the gospel and trust Jesus Christ. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Listen, if you think you can be righteous enough or good enough or go to church or join a church or be baptized or do anything to go to heaven, you're not obeying the gospel. So the first place you start is being obedient to the gospel. The second thing you do is you get baptized. After the gospel, you take that first step of obedience of faith in baptism. And now you begin to just follow the Lord in his word 
day by day by day. And you need to ask yourself, is there anything that God has declared in his word that in your life you have hidden away in disobedience? Is there any part of your life that's not submitted to the Lord? Well, get it right. I try every day, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm a sinner, and it takes me a while to do it. But I try every day to get up, and I say, okay, Lord, I want God the Holy Spirit to go through my heart right now and search every nook, every cranny, every part of me. Is there anything in my life that's unconfessed, unyielded to you? God, I want it out of my life. I want to get right with you today. And I have a time with the Lord every morning I confess. And then I say, okay, Lord, now I present my body. I present this body now. Now that you've forgiven and cleansed me, I want to present this body as a living sacrifice to you. These are not my eyes, God. These are your eyes. These are not my ears. These are your ears. It's not my mouth. It's your mouth. Lord, these are not my hands today. These are your hands. These are not my feet today. These are your feet. These are, this is not my mind. This is your mind. I'm going to let this mind be your mind today. God, I'm giving you me. I present Dean Miller to you as a living sacrifice. I lay this life down for you. Paul said, I die daily. Go to the altar every day and give yourself to God every day and say, now, Christ, I'm crucified with you. <laughs> and if I'm going to live today, it's going to be not me, but Christ living in me. Lord, I have a wife that needs to be loved today. You're going to have to give me your love. I have children that need to see a father with an example, and they need wisdom and godliness today in their father. You're going to have to give it to me. God, I'm going to meet a world today that's, that's in sin. I need your righteousness. God, I'm going to meet somebody that's lost today. I'm going to need your boldness. God, I, I'm going to meet people today that are discouraged. I need your love and your joy. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to encounter some problems today. I need your peace. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to have to meet with some deacons today. I need long-suffering and gentleness and meekness. Ah, uh, listen. Hey, listen. It's that dying to, dying to self, letting Christ live in you, doing right, and it brings peace like a river. Now, we're not going to even get close tonight to where I wanted to go, but I want you to turn to one passage of Scripture, and we're going to be done, and we're going to go to prayer. Look over at Ephesians chapter 4. This goes right hand in hand now with living right, and why is that important to live right? To do the things that God has taught us to do. Watch this very carefully. Paul said uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, and starting with verse number uh, 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye, those of you that are saved, henceforth or from now on, Walk not as other unsaved, the Gentiles walk, other unsaved walk in the vanity of their minds. Okay, and see, we're still on the subject of mind. Now he said, now look, this walk, I don't want you to walk. I don't want your lifestyle to follow the unsaved world. They're walking in the emptiness of their minds, the vanity of their minds. Whatever their minds come up with, they're following after that. Remember the book of Genesis. God destroyed the world one time. And he destroyed that world because of man's thought life. 
And God saw that, the, that the, the, the thoughts of men's hearts were only evil continually. They were imagining all kinds of things. Everything that man could get his hands on, he would turn it into something wicked and evil. And we've done the same thing today. I mean, listen, tonight we're live streaming. The internet, television, radio. The devil didn't invent all these things. Do you know that when Moses was walking around the wilderness 4,000 years ago, you know that when they were walking around the wilderness, the internet was there? Television was there? Radio was there? It was already there. Man didn't invent that stuff. We just discovered it. God already built in electricity. Everything for all that stuff was already here. Man just had to have have the ingenuity. God had to show him how to get it. But this wasn't the devil's idea. God did it. There's not ever been a greater day to reach the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ than today. But what, what have men done with the Internet? We've turned it into a cesspool of pornography and hatred. We've created things like Twitter, which is nothing more than the bathroom wall. Where people can write anything they're thinking about at any moment. And it's awful. Instagram, where everybody thinks they're a model. I mean, everybody does. Everybody's taking pictures. And and can I just tell you, if you're over 21, please, don't take a picture with your tongue out. Don't do that. Put put it back in your head. Just smile pretty, all right? That's all you got to do. You ain't got to look like a duck. You ain't got to stick your tongue out. You know? I mean, I'm I'm looking at like 30 guys. Ah, you know, just no, put that away. Just just put that back and just take a normal picture. And and listen, while you're posting your food, you, you know, take a picture of it and you're hashtagging it and you're posting it. It's getting cold. Just eat it. Just eat it. And then just tell us where you went. We'll go. We can have one ourselves. And then, you know, we don't have to see it. We're, we're documenting. I mean, listen, never in the history of mankind has a generation ever documenting more of themselves doing nothing than this generation. I mean, we have documented ourselves doing absolutely nothing. I mean, listen, people have been setting themselves on fire. I mean, and then I don't, don't even get started on TikTok. I mean, are you kidding me? Look, man, listen, you can't dance. That's not a dance. I don't know what that is. But I think, I think it should go tick-tock, tick-tock, cuckoo, cuckoo. That's what I think should be the, that should be the, the whole thing. I'm just telling you, we, I mean, listen, we have the greatest means. I want you to think about something. And, 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 and understand, I'm not scolding anybody tonight. I'm just getting us to think. These things are God's things. And man's minds have taken them and turned them into evil imaginations. But if somebody went through one of your social media feeds, would there be enough of what you've posted for someone to get saved? To learn about Jesus, to learn about things that are true and right. Now, that doesn't mean that, I mean, we posted pictures of Brianna's graduation. I think these are wonderful things. Family can share and friends can share and occasions. There are wonderful, wonderful uses of that. But I'm just simply saying today, uh, God, is, God is telling us here, don't walk the way the world is walking in the emptiness of their minds. Because whatever their mind is coming up with is just ungodly. It, it doesn't matter how educated they are. You take a person. Remember when we first started this whole thing about talking about, we, we talked about the brain is not the mind. 
And I gave the illustration of the piano. Remember that? The brain and the mind are two different things. The brain is, is like the piano. The mind is the pianist. You can, you can have a beautiful grand piano, and then you put me at the piano, and that, that piano is going to play terrible stuff. You can take a very cheap piano and put a very learned pianist at that piano, and they're going to bring out beautiful music on that. And why is that? Because they, they, they know how it works. And God, when you put God, when you put God as the pianist, and he begins to play through your thought life, it's going to be beautiful music. It's going to be a wonderful life, how God plays music. So don't let the world dictate it. That's what Paul's saying right here. Now watch this. Why shouldn't we listen to the world? Verse 18, because they have their understanding darkened. They might have a good thought, but they don't understand it. You, you take a man and put him in college, and just because he has a degree, but he doesn't have a good mind, all you've done is you've just made a clever devil. I mean, I, I heard, I heard uh, uh, what's his name, Teal, uh, the guy who invented Twitter, I heard him giving a, a lecture to university students, and he said, in the next 40 years, he said, your generation will come up, you will take social media, and you will reshape it, and you will, you will take it beyond where, what we've brought, social media, how it's changed our world. You're going to take it into places that we can't even conceive in our minds, what you're going to do with it in your generation. He said, but if you're going to be successful... No matter what the technology is, no matter what the platforms are, no matter what lies in the great beyond, you will never be successful if you overlook the seven deadly sins. He said you have to incorporate greed. You have to incorporate pride. You have to incorporate lust. You have to incorporate all of that because that's what drives men back. And he talked about how when they were first formulating Twitter and they were coming up with the platform and the big discussions that they were having, one of the big things was, should we have a like button on there? And one of the things they were thinking about was that what they should do is they should put a button on there, but, but let people have a weekly report. At the end of the week, you could see how many likes or retweets you had on something that you put out. And in the beta testing of that, they realized it wasn't... It wasn't working because it wasn't giving instant gratification. But when you put the little like on there where people can like it now or retweet it now and you can get instant feedback from that, that I can put a thought out and it gets retweeted 45 times and liked by 6,000 people. And he said what it does, it drops all that dopamine in the brain. And he said it's the exact same effect of the casino. It's a drug. It brings you back and it, it keeps you going back more and more and more and more. If you've never watched The Social Dilemma, I would encourage you to watch The Social Dilemma. Uh, that's a, it's a very powerful thing. But I will say, they don't understand. They've had their understanding darkened. Men might come up with really incredible inventions, but they don't under, understand the power of it or the danger of it. <laughs> I mean, just like today, what we're doing, we're, we're out of our minds. The very people who are trying to promote anti-racism are becoming the most racist people on the planet. And all the while, God, God gave us all the answers in the Bible. God said, I've made all people of all nations of one blood. We're, there's, no, there's no such thing as a race. That's a, that's, that's a, that, that is a, a contrivance from evolution. God made us in his own image. We all come from the same parents. Amen. 
I mean, today we're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to be tolerant of every single group except for the groups that we're not tolerant with. <laughs> Why? They have no understanding. They have no understanding. So today, we said a lot that really say a little, and that is when we pray right and we think right, we got to get into our daily life to do right. The obedience factor comes along, and the peace of God follows. And man, that's, that's where we as Christians need to be every single day. Old Bob Jones Sr. used to say, do right till the stars fall. Do right. Do right. And if the stars fall, do right. Do right. I love it. Let's just do right.